We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. the bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. This is a WATB disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed in this show do not necessarily reflect the views of We Are the Bride Ministries, We Are the Bride Radio, or We Are the Bride Television. Thank you. Welcome, my friends, to the Texas Power Hour with Pastor Carolyn Sism and friends. This radio show is an outreach ministry of Eastgate Ministries in Katy, Texas. Experience the power, experience the glory with Pastor Carolyn Sism. Check out her website at www.eastgateministries.com. these brass ceilings. 
down to, you know, not like I'm trying to, it's just that's the makeup inside of me, that I'm hitting these brass ceilings. Last night the Lord showed me that we have broken through another brass ceiling. Now, when we hit these brass ceilings, uh, it isn't like we maybe punch a hole in them, I don't know, maybe we do. But all at once you're flying above it, where it doesn't affect you anymore. Mm -hmm. It has no power over you. It might still be there, but it will no longer affect what you're doing. That's what we've done. Mm -hmm. We broke, uh, as you know, there's a strong brass ceiling of Judaism. It, you, know, you know, I love the Jews, I love Israel. They're my brethren in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is my Savior. He was a Jew. The work was written by Jews. The apostles were Jews. I have nothing against Jews. But we cannot take Christianity and put it back into Judaism. And this is very strong over the city. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's more than over the city, but it's very strong taking the traditions of Judaism and trying to put the church back into it. Yes. Oh, you foolish Galatians, mm -hmm. who has bewitched you? Yes. You are so easily deceived. Okay, what the Lord showed me, and um, that we are now flying above it. Okay, that, what that means is you will be able to minister to people. If I'm flying above it, the whole church is flying above it. Mm -hmm. It will no longer affect you on any level. Just like when I, went, when I broke over Jezebel, I can run up on Jezebel a hundred times in one day, and it's like, oh, well. <laughs> you know, another old Jezebel, do you think? Okay, so this is the same thing. This is the same power that we have come into. Glory, glory, glory. glory. And it's in a battle, and I haven't realized that taking Jesus Christ and his word, that I've been slugging at this thing. It's not like I, it's not like I premeditate to do it. It's just God puts me there, and that's what's in front of me. Well, there's a lot of other brass ceilings, as we know, over this nation. And um, I doubt that the battle's over, but it's like I'm flying free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The air is good up here. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. I've got new wings. Thank you, Jesus. I'm like, there's been a great, a great uh, burden lifted off of me. Again, because I'm flying free. Yes. Amen. So, uh, we had a new breakthrough. And I expect the Spirit of the Lord to move on that breakthrough as I watch Him, like I always do, in what He wants to do. Um, I felt when I woke up this morning, the Lord wanted me to share some things with you about this book that this lady had to be Sunday morning about the legacy of John G. Lake. 
And uh, he has letters in here to Charles Parham. The first one was dated 1913. And uh, he's sharing his personal struggles and battles. And but this one that I'm going to mention briefly is one he wrote to Elder Brooks in 1916. And he's telling him about meetings he had in Johannesburg, South Africa, and all the multi. 8,000, I think he mentions here, I'll, I'll get to it in a minute, were healed. But when he was experiencing, among the remarkable cases of healing are three of recent occurrence, which I want to give you. They are out of the usual order of healings. In my judgment, belong to the class of miracles of creative order. We're talking about creative miracles where he creates organs, he creates legs, he creates ears. And so he lists and defines, and see this is a personal letter here. He's not trying to promote himself. He's not trying to promote the ministry. Mm -hmm. He's just telling, he's written this elder for prep. He says, brother, I need prep. But he shares in here, and I won't go into them, uh, where God, uh, created organs where there were no organs. Uh, he created legs where there were no legs. Um, and so on. Uh, lungs had fallen through tuberculosis. The uh, lungs were recreated. Okay, so he's writing this like I would say, oh, Lucy has on a pretty purple sweat. That's the same tone that he's writing this. But he's still saying, these are unusual miracles that God is doing. And he's sharing with his friends. God wants to do something new in connection with my work. It's not clear to my soul yet just what it is. Finances have been tight lately. There has not been the usual flow of financial help. Healings have not been so powerful for some three weeks. My spirit is disturbed. I recognize it as one of the stirrings that come to the soul previous to change in the character of the work and ministry. Oh no, when you've been in the Lord long, you know these stirrings. You're going along just fine. Everything's flowing really good. How are you, Miss Virginia? Good. And you're flowing just fine. And all at once, everything changes. And you got to find a new flow because that flow just dried up. And that doesn't mean that he's serving you. That means he wants you to go in another direction and you're going to have to get with him and you're going to have to find that flow and the only way you're going to find it is in him. Now, it's about the flow of the spirit. Okay. So we're going, I'm skipping over stuff, honey. Uh, well, he's, he, well, I'll just go ahead and tell you how he's confessed himself to this elder. I may not always see the guidance of God as you see it, but I assure you of my deep personal love for you all and of the bond and the Holy Ghost with you that is intense and powerful, and I want your prayers. See, he's humbling himself and asking this elder for prayers. Beloved, you know that we can trust God to apply to the soul that discipline that is necessary 
or its subjection to God. And I look back over the way, though it seems hard, I can see that every step of the way has been necessary for my soul's discipline. Mm -hmm. Can you say that? Mm -hmm. I can. Mm -hmm. And every step God took me through, it was necessary. When the Holy Ghost comes on you the first time, in great power, and, and he'll use you to heal somebody, or he'll use you to bring forth this awesome prophecy, or he'll use you to bring forth this powerful revelation, you watch out, the devil's standing there ready to jump on you with pride, and if you're not careful, you're going to be strutting out that door. But then, God has a discipline if he's going to use you. Not only that, that God's humility might reign in me, but that God's power might be manifest through me and my faith strengthened by God. So the elder answers him back on July the 1st, 1916. Um, he says, we've been in a severe strain of work for some weeks, spending as much as 14 hours a day. But we stopped what we were doing to have a three-hour prayer for you. And in order to get it, we dismissed our usual meetings last night and called all the people in three homes together and prayed for three hours. <coughs> Strong and powerful. Wow. I'm sure our God has heard our that cry, and we believe that God will manifest the answer in the way that the time of his choosing. And then he begins to correct John later. Um he says, um, uh, we do not need to tell you that we love you and so on, but my soul seems to sense a possible error you are making in reference to yourself and work. I do not say I am correct in this point, but I have a soul sense that you have your eyes in the wrong direction. You say God wants to do something new in connection with my work. <laughs> Yeah, I just read that to you, right? <laughs> I do not doubt that. What is, what is it? Is it enlargement, development, aggression, gifts, and dominion? It may be all of those or none of them. But one thing is true. That if you get your eyes on these somewhere, you will fail. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I do not claim wisdom for these words, yet I'm quite sure of the correctness of the statement that no man can be used as largely as you have indicated and not be treading upon some dangerous ground. Mm -hmm. Enlargement, dominion may be intended by the Lord. One thing is absolutely necessary if these victories are to be continued and that is that humility, genuine, deep, lasting shall be yours. How does God keep us humble? He helps us. He keeps us walking bent over before Him. We cannot take one step forward in our own understanding. We cannot walk in this ministry with the Lord on any of our skills, any of our knowledge, anything we ever did in the past, Anything God ever used us for back then, we cannot look forward in it. 
The only thing we can walk forward in is what he has to say that day. Mm -hmm. That's been my experience. I feel like that's what that man's saying. You know that man may be called and greatly anointed for a certain work and yet, yet not be as powerful in God as some others not so greatly called. We've seen that church. You listen, y'all been hanging around with me. A lot of you. 15 years no longer. You see them come, you see them go. You see them high, you see them low. You see those that sometimes walked on us on their way up, they're going to come by us on their way down. But have you learned that the man thus largely called must find that depth and grace in God or lose his stewardship and disgrace his name and profession? And we have seen this in Christianity. This is a very wise elder. All we know about him is Elder Brooks. That's all we know. God needs certain works to be done and calls whom he will to do it. But he will sacrifice the work to save the worker. <laughs> to God, the worker is important. It's more, it's important with man. The work is important. <laughs> God has his eye on the man, but man has his eye on the work. Yes. Mm. Amen. I posted last night on Facebook while I was reading this mm -hmm. how God rebuked me. Mm -hmm. And you've all heard this story. In Baton Rouge, I started a church by accident because I was seeking Jesus. I came here. The Lord told me to start church, but I began to seek him for the church. He rebuked me. He said, don't seek me for the church, seek me. Okay, but that applies to every area of our life. If you need a healing, don't seek him for the healing, seek him. Yeah. And his presence is the healing. Thank you, Lord. God gives a man a ministry, a vision, or a commission. It is only natural that the work is what he dwells at for and how he must accomplish it. But you must remember that all the while God is endeavoring to form Christ in the man. Yeah. So you see, my brother, while it's necessary to pursue with zeal the vision of God, you must not get your eyes off Christ. Your letter seems to show that you have a vision from God, only that it's somewhat mixed. You see God and you see your need, but you also see other things needing you. The real vision is to see Jesus only mm -hmm. and to see nothing else. Mm -hmm. yes. Not Jesus and just Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now in that realm, in Jesus Christ, there is an answer to everything that you're seeking him for. <coughs> On Sunday morning, the Spirit of the Lord comes in really strong, and I always ask the Lord, Lord, give me something for the people. But by the time we worship, and by the time the Word of God comes forth, we are so in the presence of Jesus that it seems to me that what you're seeking Him for is there. Mm -hmm. 
but not everybody went in. <coughs> the single eye sees none but Jesus. The double eye sees Jesus and whatever it is they're seeking God for. Now I'm going to read you something funny. <laughs> this was a letter that he wrote to Charles Parham in 1927. He's in Houston, Texas. And he's having long, tremendous revivals for, I don't know, evidently months he was here. Maybe even a year, I don't know. He's having revival meetings in Houston, Texas. So he said, he's writing from Houston, it is. And he's telling them, him about the different churches where he's had meetings and he basically, I'd call it gossiping. He's talking about the church of Spokane. <laughs> the church of Spokane is crying for my return. I, by the way, I was the week, uh, the, this winter before Christmas, I was there. Uh, I went from here to pray for an insane woman who was instant delivered, and I remained and preached for a week. The church at Portland begs me to come there. The little church at San Diego is moving along. All of them present a better opportunity than Houston. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Distracted, petrified, soul-bound saints as in Houston. He ran into some of those brass ceilings that I've been talking about. The dear little group at Katy are a lovely, godly group. So we're still holding on to, to that. So, and then he goes again. Huh? <laughs> the, the dear little group at Katy are a lovely, godly group. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote that picture? In nine, well, he, this is his, this man has wrote this, taking his letter. This is a letter he wrote to Charles Parham in 1927. Joanne, I remember that. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> now, he goes on to talk specifically calling by name a ministry in Houston, Texas. He doesn't speak well of them. So I won't use their name. Because we found out Sunday night when I ran across this that these are well-known people in Houston, Texas. So, the blank, and that would be the Last name, I'll let you do it. I'm just not going to do it on here. Our group of little men with little minds. <laughs> Trying to fill big men's places in life in the work of God. Oh. It is pitiful and laughable to watch the trick monkey stuff. Brother so-and-so is extremely jealous, insanely so, and this causes him to stoop, to stoop to such dishonorable little things as no one could believe unless you were on the ground and saw it. <laughs> <laughs> it always makes me think of a bantam rooster among a flock of decent-sized chickens. And the only thing 
The van could do a strut, a strut and such dear old dad is a five-strut. Oh, 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 oh. Such what? What? Such what? Such huh? what? Pine strutter. Among such a fine strutter. Among such. Okay, I thought y'all would get a kick out of that. Okay. I, th I thought he ran into some of the same, same brassy was that I ran into. But anyway, y'all can look at this if you want to figure out who that is. I know Joanne knows who this is, I'm sure. And <laughs> that. Yeah, that would know too. But I'm not saying anything. I'm not going to get in trouble myself. <laughs> <laughs> Praise God. They shall remain nameless. Huh? They shall remain nameless. Yes. They're sorry. Look at her. She got her cute hat, her cute scarf. Little stylish lady. Okay, I'm going to go on with that into, the, this will be my final teaching on the Holy of Holies. I think I'm going to go to 1 John next week. I've been wanting to go there. I'm just going to go. Through the blood of Jesus and this journey that we've been in Jesus Christ in the tabernacle, we now cross the golden altar and go beyond the veil into the Holy of Holies. This is the realm of the spirit of the fullness of God's presence. As the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence was. It's a type of the throne of God. That's where his presence was. That's where he spoke to Aaron and Moses from. He spoke from there. The Holy of Holies is the realm of full maturity for the New Testament church. Of the sons of God who have come to Jesus Christ full stature and image. Now, as we listen, and one of the reasons I wanted to bring Brother Lake's, some of his testimonies in there, we're listening to a man who had this incredible gift of healing. Not only did he have gift of healing, he had gift of creative, creative miracles healing. Creative miracles. And I have seen that in operation. Where a creative, not necessarily in healing, but I have seen prophets be able to speak in your life and through their spoken word, a creative miracle happened. Mm -hmm. uh, more so in finances and relationships and and mm -hmm. things appearing or something. Okay. Okay, so we see this man, this awesome man of God, powerfully used, more powerful than we had anyone in the 21st century that we know of moving that kind of power. Uh, that, that we see and he wasn't totally um, walking with God in a place of that, of that confidence where everything was Jesus Christ. We saw his flesh. So he was ministering from the realm of the holy place. It was right at 1906. He was working with Brother Parham. The Holy Ghost and the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Holy Spirit had just been restored to the church after years of them not being recognized it all. And that was the realm that they were moving in was the power of the Holy of Holies. But we also saw, and what I read to you, very much a man of the flesh. His flesh was still a burden. And, and, and we could read that in his, these are things he wrote. And we can read in what he wrote that he still had flesh burning. 
but he was still moving in these incredible power gifts that we're not moving in today. And I hear people say, they might have one here and there, and, and something might happen over in some foreign country, and hallelujah. But we're not seeing a whole lot of it. Okay, so we've been talking about the glory fire, and we talked about it last week. It's not just for Pentecost, the realm of the holy place. It is also for tabernacles, the holy of holies. Tabernacles is the ultimate communion, the sustained rest in God, the state of being separate from the things of earth. Tabernacles symbolizes the finished work in the realm of total freedom to be as he is and filled with his kingdom glory. This is, I'm persuaded, since God called me into the ministry, this is where he's taking the church into. Okay, if the gift of the Spirit in the early 1900s, mid-20th century, right, were so incredible, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit was being released back to the church through these awesome men of God, and they were being, being brought into the realm of the holy place, the gift of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the fire of God was falling upon these men until they didn't know what to do with it, how much greater will it be when that fire reigns from the Holy of Holies? And he has been bringing us as a people into that realm, I guess since the 1980s, 1990s, when he began to restore the prophetic, we always had the prophetic of the church. But then we had prophets that we, every single person in the room can get a prophecy. Every one of you can get a prophecy. Every one of you have a destiny. It's just not three special people in church. That's right. Mm-hmm. Everyone is in Christ. Okay, that's taking us somewhere. Just like he brought these men in, they didn't know what's going on. Anymore do we know what's going on. But we're figuring it out as we go along through the word of God. That he's going to bring, there's going to be an outpouring of that fire. That's going to be so powerful. Even more powerful than it was in the 1900s. When these men of God saw creative miracles, they saw legs come on, they saw lungs happen, they saw organs uh, restored it's going to come it's going to be for the realm of the holy holies mm-hmm. and it's going to be a greater fire it it's going to be a greater fire than the fire of Pentecost mm-hmm. now people this is what I'm preaching this is what I got my eyes on Amen. hallelujah I'm not walking in it but that's what I'm looking at Jesus entered 
the holiest of holy. Once and for all, there's no more. With his own blood, to the place of the altar where the fire falls. And the fire of acceptance comes the power of the Spirit and the manifestation of glory. Now, if the glory of the book of Acts was awesome, and the glory that down through the generations, like when God brought in uh, in the 20th century, in the early 20th century, was awesome. How much more awesome is it going to be when the fire falls from the Holy of Holies? Mm. What else would I have my eyes on in this world? Yeah. Hebrews 10, 19 through 21. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, where to, where to go in your bold? Where to be bold? To enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the New covenant, new wine, new bread, and uh, what else is there? New covenant, new wine, new bread, new priesthood. All of it ended when Jesus crossed in. 2 through 16, I'm going to read the whole of it from Hebrews 9. A tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table and the showbread, and we've studied all that the last two weeks, which revealed Jesus Christ, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid on all sides with gold, which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant, and above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now when these things had been prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle, Forming the services. Now, this is New Testament. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year and without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. Now, we have committed a lot of sins in our lifetime in ignorance. And we may still be committing sins in ignorance. Every once in a while, I get flashback to something I did when I was 19, 20, 30 years old. I think I'm just so stupid. <laughs> Lord, how in the world were you long suffering with me? He does that to make sure I stay long suffering with other people's stuff. But, but, they, but these kids are committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this that the way into the holiest of all was the Holy Spirit indicating this. That the way of the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. Okay. 
We're not going to be building any tabernacle over in, in Israel. You can't get in there from there. Mm -hmm. You can't get in to the holiest of all from building a tabernacle in Israel. It was symbolic for the present time. I said it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifice are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience. Parents concerned only with foods and drinks, various washing and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation and we are in the time of reformation but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle the greater and more perfect tabernacle why would I want to go back into a tabernacle that is built on Mount Zion when there is nothing there. Because I have come into a greater and more perfect tabernacle which is the flesh and the blood of Jesus Christ. Y'all getting quiet on me. This is the word of God. It's a tabernacle not made with hands. And that not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves. But with his own blood. He entered the most holy place. Once and for all. Having obtained eternal redemption. So why do I want to go back. Into a temple. Made by hands. I won't do it. Amen. It's an abomination. Thank you, Lord. It's blasphemy. Amen. But the Jews today don't know that. I know. So they'll build it anyway. Yeah. But we, as Christians, cannot validate it. Right. I mean, you can do whatever you want to do, okay? I can't. Right. I would be denying Christ. Amen. I would be denying the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Or if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, and see they're really looking for a red heifer. Mm -hmm. Sprinkling the unclean. I think it's someone buying one or something. Yes. Mm -hmm. First one was born recently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sanctified for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. By means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, 
that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Amen. For there is a testament, for where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of a, of a testator. Amen. Through the death of Jesus Christ, you and I, as well as all those who died under the old covenant, have received the eternal inheritance of eternal salvation, sonship, and maturity. Because the old covenant is about the blood of Jesus Christ. The fullness of our inheritance is all in all things is in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is what God wants the church to come into. Mm -hmm. And we just broke through another breath feeling that I didn't even know I was breaking through. Mm -hmm. But I know I've broken through. Amen. John, quoting John G. Lake here. When a man is grown up in God, there is no question in his mind concerning the will of God. His will has become the will of God because his mind has been renewed to the word of God. His lips speak only the word of God. His heart desires only to do the will of God. And when one has reached this, his desires are God's desires. It's a cry of the heart. That my mind is so locked in with God that every step that I make I'm in his will. That I'm in his will. Take mine, Lord. It hasn't helped me even do anything. <laughs> it hasn't been helpful at all. <laughs> it was so strong. When I was young, I didn't go off a cliff. <laughs> Nobody in here ever had a strong will. <laughs> The most holy place is the realm of God's presence, his throne. Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who is risen, exalted, seated, and resting in his victory over all enemies. The holy of holies represents the open heaven of John 151. Most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open. When? Hereafter. And the angels of God ascending and descending upon the sun lane. Where is Christ today? Tell me where he is. And inside. In us. In us. Amen. Okay. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In us. Right in here. Amen. Most assuredly I say to you, hereafter. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. That's your inheritance, saints. The inmost place is also referred to prophetically as the Zion of God, where David placed his tabernacle and the ark upon Mount Zion. Zion is wherever God lives. This realm is the dimension out of which an enthroned Jesus Christ ministers. It's 
the realm of no limitations, failures, sickness, or death, for it is the realm of no curse. No more curse and crying again, for we're living in the light of the risen Lamb. In that place, in Christ Jesus, there is no curse. Every curse was broken at the cross. But it's not automatic. Takes three things: faith, the Holy Spirit, and the blood of Jesus. Don't receive a curse upon your life, and don't let people speak curses on your life. Don't let a pastor stand up and put you under the curse of the tithe. Yeah, you better tithe if you want to be blessed, but you're under the blessing of the tithe. Amen. You're not under the curse. Thank you, Lord. Because even that curse was broken. The curse of the woman was broken. The curse of the man was broken. The curse of the, of the earth was broken at the cross. It's the realm of no more curse. Amen. Yeah. All those witches trying to curse Kavanaugh. If he's walking with the Lord, they have no authority to curse him. Amen. But you may be walking with the Lord, standing under the blood. That's it. He's in church every Sunday. He said he was, has been since he was a child. According to Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, we know that Jesus opened this third dimension, our third heaven, as a forerunner and as the first fourth son. He suffered and died to bring many sons into the, his, his glory through his death as the testator of the New Testament. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, most sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. What is the presence behind the veil? The Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. For the forerunner has entered for us, even chief Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. The Ark of the Covenant represents the presence of Christ by the Spirit in the midst of the redeemed. That Ark is inside of me. I said the Ark of the Covenant is inside of me. It's inside of you. Hebrews 9.17 for a testament is enforced after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. He had to die in order to seal the New Testament by his blood. Because in the Old Testament, the Old, the Old Testament was sealed by the blood of bulls and goats. Okay? It had to be sealed by blood. Okay, there had to be a death. So the same thing is true of the New Covenant, the New Testament. There had to be the death of the testator to seal the covenant. And am I going to break that covenant and say it has no value? I don't think so. Hebrews 2, 9 through 13. We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, 
for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Made a little lower than the angels. We're doing a study on angels on Sunday night. We're taking the book and we're looking up the scriptures and we're confirming everything that's in there by the scriptures. All through the Bible, what we're finding, and we already knew it, the angels talked to men. Angels spoke to men. And the men talked back to them and answered them. And we know that angels have names. Now, I hear the voice of God, and it may be some kind of an angel. I haven't got, my discernment is not this keen that I can tell if an angel's talking to me. Or his Holy Spirit talking to me, or his God talking to me. I just take it because I know the voice. I know it's God because it's going to line up with the Word of God. But God wants us to have this gift operating in the church. Yes. He wants us, and as you heard me say, that I believe that there has been multitudes of angels released upon the earth for this time. What are they here? Okay. Let's take John G. Lake back in the 1900s. God would have released angels to take these men that he chose into the realm of the holy place, the realm of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was again poured out upon the earth and the gifts of the Spirit were poured out upon the earth. There were sent angels to help these men. I believe that there have been rods of angels sent to the church now to help us get into that realm of the Holy of Holies, uh, where all things are in the fullness of time, Ephesians, Ephesians 1.10, which is the word that came forth in my spirit Sunday morning. Somebody look that up. Ephesians 1.10, and read it, who's God? Um, that in the fullness of time, everything is going to come under the power and the headship of Christ. Right. Okay, so I believe that oh, you got it, Joanne. Would you read it? That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Okay, this is where I believe we are. This is where Carolyn, now you can, I don't care whether you like it or not. I, this is where I think we are. And I believe that multitudes of angels have been re released upon the earth to take the church into that realm. Amen. Amen. Okay. If they spoke to men in more in the New Testament than they did in the Old Testament, the New Covenant that Jesus died for, an angel spoke to men and they gave them instructions from the Father of what the Father was telling them to do. Church, you're supposed to have this gift operating in your life. Now, I don't have it. But I'm asked to ask God to give it to me. I've seen angels. I've seen lots of angels. But I haven't talked to them. I thought I said too much shouting all. <laughs> to get my wits together, they even think to ask a question. <laughs> I just get overwhelmed. <laughs> so you have to be pretty strong to have your wits about you to ask a question. Or to say, why are you here? You know, Kathy Walters does. Mm -hmm. She'll ask them why they're there. 
Well, that's a good information to know. Yes. Amen. We're supposed to work with them and cooperate with them because that which is in heaven is going to be heavenly on earth. That's what God said to me. Okay, that scripture Joanne just read confirms that at Sunday morning, in, I guess it was when Joanne brought forth that tongue, I was sitting there trying to figure this out, that God says you have come into an appointed time. So, you know, I'm not happy just to give that word. I'm asking him what time. You know, I want more information. Yes. So I, but we talked about it Sunday night. And at the same time, Tim Sherbeck had that scripture. In the service. Okay. Okay, let's finish this up, okay? Oh, hallelujah. We're to receive the Spirit without measure. The Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat are considered as one piece of furniture. The Ark was the first piece of furniture made, thus the most important. It was the only piece of furniture in the Holy of Holies. It was upon the Mercy Seat and the Atonement blood was sprinkled. The Ark and all its contents represent the holiness of God. The ark represents the glory of God revealed in divine order, worship, and ministry. So I was going through some old sermons because I've taught on this through the many years of different kinds of ways. I've got a teaching on the on the um, dispensers and so on. But you know, you just I'm, I'm going to end it with this teaching because I feel like I feel like I'm released for this teaching. And God wants me to go on with something else. Amen. Okay, but I wrote on, on the mercy seat, June the 3rd, 2007. And I think y'all are going to like this. This is what I wrote in 2007. Last week, we had a visitation of the Lord at the evening service. Jamar McClanahan had a vision of the Ark of the Covenant before the altar. I must have been preaching on the Ark of the Covenant. I must have been preaching it then. A prophetic song came forth from Joanne Carpenter. Virginia Bell put the song to music and we sang it this morning, which it must have been either Tuesday morning or Sunday morning. But there wasn't a Tuesday morning then. Well, there wasn't a Tuesday morning in 2007? Not, not June 3rd. Okay. Not till September. Okay, so that would have been a Sunday morning. Because... Uh, What's her name was having it Tuesday yeah. when I wouldn't start yeah. it until Thursday. Yeah. yeah. She left me Okay. So the song, I wrote the scripture about the song and the vision. If you get a song, you get a vision, there'll be a scripture. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in the temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and grass hail. So the earthly tabernacle was built according to the pattern that was in heaven. Okay, the pattern that is in heaven is now inside of us. Okay, by Monday morning, we were experiencing lightning, thunderings, and great hail in Houston, Texas. Last week, one of our visitors, so last night, I'm just having a little bit of fun with Jenny and Joanne. I sent them that, those little paragraphs. I said, do y'all remember that song? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> they both answered me back real quick. 
you know. <laughs> Still, this is from 2007. Last week, one of our visitors, Julie Chan, had a dream about this church. She and her husband, Steve, had been praying about where to go to church. The Lord gave her a dream. He showed her this church. The Lord spoke to her saying, I am in this church. She said she walked out the back of the church through a gate. She was declaring a song of who Jesus is. The people in the church were declaring back to her in song who Jesus is. She said Jenny Bell, whom she knew prior to coming to Eastgate, was distinctly in the dream. In a dream. Hebrews 3.12 Say, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the church mm -hmm. and I will sing praise to you. Mm. God declared Jenny's name, which is the reason why I put that scripture in back then, in the midst of the church. Henry had a dream and it was about me, but there was a name in it, Henry. Mm -hmm. So when God declares a name in the midst of the dream, it, it's very significant. So we've got to keep our eyes out on that. Okay, let's see how much time I have to go through this fast. I got ten minutes. We'll finish this up. <clears throat> the mercy seat is the place where God sat on his throne. Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion. He's high above all the people. Let them praise your great and terrible name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loves judgment. You do establish equity. You execute judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt you, the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Verse 9, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill. For the Lord our God is holy. The meaning of the mercy seat. Place of holiness, justice, and righteousness. Atonement, propitiation. Mercy and reconciliation. Communion of God with redeemed man. The glory of God. For God recorded his name. Whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts. That dwells between the cherubims. For God meets man in Christ. It's the place of the appearance of God in a cloud. And when, we got, when Moses was gone into the tabernacle of the congregation to speak with him, then he heard the voice of one speaking to him from off the mercy seat that was upon the ark of testimony from between the two cherubims, and he spoke to him. Rest. The father and the firstborn son have entered into rest. He that entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Mercy. The blood of Jesus Christ has transformed the throne of judgment into a throne of grace. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Usually when I start praying, you'll hear me. Lord, I come before your throne of grace. Mm -hmm. I always come before the throne of grace. I need grace and mercy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
The mercy seat was the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. It completed the Ark, acted as a covering. It was a slab of pure gold, and there were two cherubim in gold in union with it. It's where God sat, met, communed, and manifested himself to Moses, where their father and son sit and rest after their finished work. The Lord Jesus Christ sat down on the right hand of God. I want you to think about this church. I've been thinking about this time lately. Okay, Jesus Christ is set down at the right hand of God. He says that you're going to sit with him in heavenly places. Okay, where are you? You're in Christ. Seated with him. Seated with him in heavenly places. If he's ahead, we're the body. He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. You're there every day. We gotta act like it. The blood stained mercy seat covered the two tables of the law. The exposing of the law is seen in 1 Samuel 6, 19 through 20. Without the blood covering brought into operation administration of death, and he spoke the men of Beth Shemesh, because they had looked into the ark of the Lord. Even he spoke of the people, 50,310 men. Better watch the spirit of no genius. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> However, through the blood of Jesus, Romans 8-2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The Hebrew word for mercy seat means to atone, covering, propitiation. The mercy seat covered Israel's sins of idolatry, murmuring, and rebellion. This covering fitted perfectly. It's pure slap. The Lord is pure, tried by fire. That he might provide a pure atonement made possible by pure grace. Perpetuation. The term perpetuation means to appease, make satisfaction, placate, or render favorable. <coughs> you and I are rendered favorable before God because of the mercy of God. Now, that also means that people who are nice to you, who are Christians, are also rendered favorable. And that means that those who are unlovely and aren't very nice are also rendered favorable by the same blood of Jesus. Jesus became man's perpetuation through faith in his blood. The Greek word for, for, for perpetuation in Romans 3.25 and the Greek word for mercy seat are the same word. In the tabernacle, we see a blending of the judgment seat, brazen altar and the mercy seat. The throne of judgment has become a throne of grace. Okay, we're going to close with the cherubim. <laughs> so at this time that I wrote this, I changed this last night, I gave you the views of what other people philosophy is about the church.
There's a lot out there. And I, sometimes I'll give you choices. So-and-so believes this, and so-and-so believes that. And, you know, this is what I believe. I just, I just stuck with what I believe, okay? I, I raised down all those other opinions, but if you have another one, I won't be upset with you. So, I believe, because I've seen them, there are glory angels in the glory realm. And I've seen them more than once. I wrote this in 2007. Those who go into the glory and walk in the glory have an angel of glory who walks with them. All of you have an angel that looks like you that is your guardian angel. There's a pastor. I have, I have a glory angel. And I say, I know it is. I'm not living up to it, but I got one. I'm trying to get me there. The word says that the Father is seated on the throne and the Son at his right hand. They both entered into the Holy of Holies. There are two glory cherubim, which I think could represent the glory of the angel of his presence. <coughs> Paul didn't tell us, but he did tell us, for Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Okay? So Christ didn't go into the temple of Pharaoh. Into the, when he broke through as the high priest. God's spirit had left the temple of Herod. What, what my word says here. What, I just read that you. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands. Mm -hmm. Which are figures of the truth which is in heaven. That's mm -hmm. a pattern after the pattern of that which is in heaven. Amen. But he went into heaven itself. He went into the holy of the holiest of all, the holiest of everything, into heaven, where the throne of God is. Now, to appear in the presence of God for us. Church, we're living below what God has called us to do. We're living below what God wants the church to be. Mm -hmm. He is a, our, our high priest, our intercessor, our mediator, our king is seated at the right hand of God. Mm -hmm. And you're in him and he's in you and we're supposed to be seated with him. And we're supposed to be ruling and reigning with him. Oh, yeah. And we're walking around like that. <laughs> what is our good is that? <laughs> Come run into the mercy seat. <laughs> Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. You can't get there by the old way. Okay, it's a, let's say that we got a tabernacle here made by hands. And they set up a holy of holies over here, and they will. They do. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. I'll leave the half grease if you go in there. Okay, I can't go in there. But by the new and living way by the Lord Jesus Christ, I can go straight to the throne of God. Amen. And I can crawl up in his lap. That's right. And I can call him daddy. Yes. I can approach him. I don't have to spell God G slash D because I can't approach God. No, I can go straight to Daddy God. Amen. I can call him Father yes, and Lord. I can spell his name G O D. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I saw Lori smile. She's heard that one before. I broke through, Lori. I came over that breast season. I'm flying. I got something new happened to me. I'm not fooling up enough as enough. I'm not fooling with it anymore. I'm going to preach this gospel. And I'm going to preach it the way Jesus is. And I am not trying to take poor little Christians and say, let me help you show you this way. I'm done. Amen. 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 